Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York. Yours truly, J.J. John Zostrzemski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And the Jets won a game. Holy smokes, the Jets scored a couple of touchdowns. What world are we living in? Are we sure? Do we need to go and make sure we're not living in an alternate universe? Yes, the Jets put up 30 points. Yes, the Jets won by 24 against the Houston Texans. They win by the score of 30 to 6. And I know this is supposed to be a positive day in Jetland. They won for the first time since Halloween weekend. They scored 30 points. They look like a functional team. They look like a functional NFL offense. But maybe this is the cynic in me. Maybe this is the quote unquote hater. In me. But in Zach Wilson's return, my first thought to the Jets going and winning this game in convincing fashion and them going and putting up 30 points, you can call me a hater all you'd like. My first thought is too little, too late. Sorry. Too little, too late. Where was this against the Chargers? Where was this against the Raiders? Where was this against Buffalo? when it felt like this season was still salvageable. Zach Wilson, to his credit, played probably his best game ever as an NFL starting quarterback. He was interception-free. He had the one fumble aside from that, no turnovers. He was 27 to 36. He threw for over 300 yards. He threw for two touchdowns. There were throws and moments in this game, throws to Conklin, throws to Garrett Wilson, where you're like, Wow, this is the guy that Joe Douglas probably saw thinking he could be a franchise quarterback and somebody, dare I say, that's worthy and deserving of being the number one overall pick in the draft. That's what Zach Wilson looked like today. In no way am I taking away from what he was able to do against the Houston Texans. 
from this standpoint. He got benched. He got humiliated. There were the rumblings and rumors that he didn't even want to go back out there. He balled out today. But I think there's going to be, and I can sense it already, there are going to be a quotient of Zach Wilson truthers. The folks that want to basically defer any blame to anybody else but the quarterback. Oh, it's the offensive line. Oh, they don't have a receiver. Oh, he's poorly coached. Uh, 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 uh. And not look at the position and the guy playing the position and, dare I say, hold him accountable for some of the worst numbers that have been put up by a starting quarterback over the last three years in the NFL. If Zach Wilson had more of these sort of games, we would not be talking about Tim Boyle taking over for Zach Wilson. Think about that for a minute. The Jet Press, not me, the coach, GM, the whole body of work, decided after that Buffalo game, we can't do this anymore. And we actually think we have a better chance to win with Tim Boyle. Whether that was the right call or the wrong call is besides the point. That's how they felt in the moment. That's how much the quarterback was killing them. So it wasn't this false narrative that came out of nowhere. It's what we watched with our own two eyes. And if you would have gotten better efforts out of Zach in those games that meant a lot in the month of November, hey, he's better in two of those games. Instead of us talking about the five and eight New York Jets, they're probably right in the middle of all of those seven and six teams that are littered throughout the AFC playoff picture. Houston is one of them. Uh, Denver is another. Buffalo, after their monster win against the Kansas City Chiefs, they're in that mix. You got the Colts, the Bengals, the Steelers. You got my drift. There are a lot of teams vying for those particular playoff spots. And even with the injury to Aaron Rodgers, we would be talking about the Jets as one of those teams. Their defense balled out today. Now, did it help dramatically that the Texans didn't have Tank Dell? Of course. Nico Collins goes down. Jet defense has been great all year. This might have been their most dominant performance of the season. They were brilliant. Quentin Williams was all over the place. Huff was all over the place. The pass rush got after C.J. Stroud. They knocked them out of the game. The Jet defense has been doing this for the most part all season. So there's, there's no surprise there. But it's been all for naught. And in a couple of those games where the defense did play well, the Charger game being the perfect example, the Falcon game last week, you get anything out of the quarterback. We're talking about maybe the Jets. Instead of them being 5-8, and eight, they have seven wins. Right? And if they had seven wins, we're talking about the playoff possibilities. And we're also legitimately engaging in the what-if with Aaron Rodgers returning. Now, it's a far-fetched, nonsensical, insane idea. If we were talking about the Jets in the playoff mix, maybe it would be different. I think despite the bizarre reality of a guy coming back off an Achilles in three months, I think it would be far more of a legitimate back and forth. Something that I don't think we have at the moment right now. So all of that adds up to too little, too late for Zach Wilson. And even if he balls out over the next four games at Miami, Washington, at Cleveland, New England, and they go like three and one, let's say, which to me would be impressive. The Jets go three and one down the stretch. They'd be eight, nine on the air. All things considered, that'd be a fine season, I guess. All things considered. Would you feel great about Zach being your backup quarterback next year? Like, would you want to honestly think about doing this again if Aaron Rodgers got hurt? Ask yourself that question. And if you're a Jet fan and honestly thinks yes, shame on you. Because then you didn't watch last year, you didn't watch this year, and you get suckered in by a meaningless December win against the Houston Texans. Credit Zach Wilson for showing up today. Credit Zach Wilson for balling out today, but don't be a sucker. 
Don't be a fool. Please. Remember I said that. Remember I said that. Because I know if he plays well again next week, oh, I'm all right with Zach as my backup. He's under contract. No, you're not. No, you're not. So the Jets go to five and eight. And I think the report that came out from Connor Hughes about Salah's job and about Joe Douglas's job and the idea that they're going to be back next year no matter what at this stage in the game, I think that's accurate. I do. I think the Jets are going to look at this season and call it a wash because of the Rodgers injury. And they're going to say, okay, let's run it back next year and let's get it right. Will they be able to do that? That remains to be seen. That, my friends, is the million-dollar question surrounding the 2024 New York Jets. But today, my feeling would not be, oh, break out Zach. We have something in Zach. My feeling would be too little, too late. Too little, too late. Now, for the Giants, they'll have a Monday night game in 24 hours against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. The storyline around the Giants at this point in time It's pretty simple. Can the improbable tale of Tommy DeVito take another turn into the land of that much more intriguing? Giants of four and eight. The Giants, despite what Saquon Barkley may tell you, have zero chance of making the postseason. With two games left with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, with with the the, the Rams, the Packers, the Giants, they're not making the playoffs, please. Don't, Don't insult my intelligence. But can DeVito for another week humor us that much more? Let's call it like it is. These two wins against Washington and New England, two terrible teams, what they have done here is they've given you an intriguing subplot in what has already been and what has been without question an eyesore of the season. Giants for two and eight. DeVito takes over. Listen, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but he's got the Jersey storyline. He's got the Italian storyline. They got the Sopranos theme blasting. I'm sure when you're watching the Monday Night Broadcast tomorrow, that's all you're going to hear. You're going to hear Jersey, Sopranos, DeVito's family. Like that is going to be the story. The two storylines that Buck and Aikman are going to be all over in that game. It's going to be Jordan Love and his rise out of the Aaron Rodgers shadow. And it's going to be Tommy DeVito. And not Tommy DeVito, who got whacked in Goodfellas. The Tommy DeVito, who is the quarterback of the New York Giants. That is the storyline. Can the Cinderella extend his stay? That's what Monday is all about. The effort has been there for the Giants the last couple of weeks. The defense has played much better over the last couple of weeks, despite the storyline about Brian Dable and Martindale and whether or not they're seeing eye to eye. Hasn't made a difference in defense. They've played well. I think a reckoning is coming for the Giants. I don't love the spot for the Packers this week because they're coming off their win of the year against the Chiefs. But I saw them on Thanksgiving beat the Lions going away. I saw them go and beat the Chiefs last week. you telling me the Packers are going to lose this game to the Giants? I don't see it. I know my buddy Cousin Sal picked it on uh, his dog of the week for Ring of Wise Guys. I, for one, don't see it. So... I think it's going to end up being a long day for the Giants. Tight game, competitive game, but I don't expect a whole lot of points. And I most certainly do not expect a giant win. So that will be what's in front of us now on Monday night. Two more before we hit Jacko. Yamamoto sweepstakes are front and center. I couldn't believe the Otani contract, but then again, it makes sense. The Dodgers are going to market the shit out of him. He's so appealing. Billboards. Attendance. Everything he provides off the baseball field. Now you have this larger-than-life player on one of the premier franchises in the sport. That's why the Dodgers decided to go down this road. I think a $700 million contract is rather risky when we don't know what Shohei Otani is going to be as a pitcher in a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. That, to me, the marketing plus, you know, what he does on the mound is why I'd be intrigued. I would bet against that contract being a success because of the fact that Otani's pitching days, I have to wonder if they're numbered. But why does this matter to the Yankees and the Mets? Well, not the idea that Otani signed with the Dodgers. 
it's more the element of what does it mean via Shinobi Yamamoto. And Yamamoto is meeting with the Yankees on Monday. Steve Cohen flew to Japan with David Stearns last week. They made their pitch. They clearly want him. The Yankees clearly want him. And I think we have ourselves a New York, New York battle royale to see, okay, who's it going to be? The Yankees or the Mets? I think from a financial standpoint, the Mets are going to be the front runners. I think there'll be more desperation. I think Cohen's going to throw a gazillion dollars at him. I think they'll be the highest bidder. Yankees got the pinstripes, the brand. Cash's been talking about the mecca of baseball. We'll see if that pitch with Tanaka and Matsui is going to sell him. Jury's out on him. My gut tells me he'll be a Met. It's funny, all my Met friends think he's going to be a Yankee. So it's funny how that dynamic kind of works as we play through this offseason. The interesting element after the dust settles with Yamamoto is going to be, okay, well, if the Yankees miss out, they still need another pitcher. Where are they pivoting? Is it still in free agency? Is it making a trade for Bieber or Burns or somebody that I'm not talking about? Or for the Mets, if they don't get their young 25-year-old ace to go and put with Senga, what are the Mets thinking about where they look at 24 as a year where they want to be good, but maybe not a year where they want to be all in? And how do they handle that? So the ramifications of who doesn't get Yamamoto, I think, are going to be fascinating to watch. But I promised you guys a big surprise. The big surprise, Jacko is back on New York, New York. It's long overdue. We're going to do voicemails later in the week. We've done so many over the last couple of weeks. I want to get in and out here. We'll have Jacko. We'll do trivia. Um, we'll run around the league after, before we do trivia. A lot of stuff to get to as far as the NFL stuff is concerned. Jacko back. He's actually not only back, he's back in a big way with the 2024 New York Yankees. So we'll kind of set the stage for what's coming up uh, with our favorite franchise. That's up next. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. So Monday Night Football, you got some monster spreads. I don't love either side, to be perfectly honest with you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Dolphins to win, and I'm going to parlay it with Raheem Mostert to score a touchdown, and I'm also going to parlay it with Tyree Kill to go over 90 yards, and then separately, I'm going to take Jalen Waddle to go and score a touchdown. So uh, I'm getting frisky. I don't know if I feel great about 13 and a half, but there are multiple ways to play, and that's what I'll be looking to do. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays. Find bets in a new Explore tab. Dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus at present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. So I know many of you have been waiting to hear from one of our favorites. It's been a while. It was a dreadful 2023 season. Hopeful for happier days ahead here in 2024. Jacko, can you actually believe that we're having a conversation and we can say Juan Soto is a New York Yankee? It's incredible. It's incredible. I I, I can't tell you that I had faith that they would do the right thing, but it's nice to see them do the right thing for once. It's, it's a miracle. It's incredible. It is a Christmas miracle. It, it, it is right. a sight for sore eyes. And I think you and I fit the category of critic, hater, whatever you want to use to get on Hal Steinbrenner, Brian mm -hmm. Cashman, and the Yankee regime. We have been at the forefront of that. We have been killing them left and right, and deservedly so. Mm -hmm. I think you and I, at the very least, now have to give this owner credit and have to give this general manager credit. They were feeling the heat. They were feeling the desperation. Not that Yankee fans were going anywhere, but you really needed to go and give the Yankee fan a reason to be juiced up going into 2024. And they read the room and they figured out this is a trade we got to go make. A hundred percent. They they well, it's always good when they realize we're the New York Yankees and they behave accordingly which they haven't done in years now. 
So to see them do it is great. And and they made me nervous. You know, I start to believe all these things that I read about, well, Toronto is a mystery team and, you know, what's going to happen and someone else is going to get involved and they don't want to give up seven prospects. And I'm like, please, let's not fool around with this. Let's just do the right thing for the love of God. Please, let's just do the right thing. And, and happily, they did the right thing. It's fantastic. And if you could think of a guy that would fit the Yankees and what they need and what they're looking for to a T. Soto's at essential casting. He walks more than he strikes out. He's yep. got the lefty pop. He's won a World Series. He's got swag up the wazoo, which I think is going to yep. be so much fun. And I think this team, to be honest with you, Jacko, needs a little swag. They need a little 100%. attitude. I 100%. can't honestly think of a player that would fit the Yankees better than Soto. I really can't. 25 years old, left-handed. I mean, you know, the, the right field wall, Yankee Stadium is just calling out for him. The, the walks is fantastic because they have, let's face it, for years now, they've had too many guys that strike out way too much. Stanton being exhibit A, but there's about 20 other guys that strike out way too much. So to have a guy who who's 25 years old with a lot of pop who doesn't strike out, who's going to get on base probably in front of Aaron Judge, you know, is my, is my guess as to what the lineup is going to look like. He's going to get on base, and, and Judge is going to hopefully uh, bring him home. And and their biggest problem last year, and the in the really the most recent few years, has been scoring runs. So this is a guy that's going to get on base without striking out. He's going to has the opportunity to score runs, and he's you know I understand he's not a defensive mastermind out there, but he he's at least a professional outfielder. So we're not we're not running out IKF out there and second baseman and shortstops to play left field. We have a competent actual outfielder who's played the position in the major league level before. So he's perfect. The swagger, I think, you know, with the with the Soto shuffle and everything else, you know, he he wants the limelight. He doesn't shy away from the big moments. He's he's been in a World Series. He's performed in a World Series on the biggest stage. I think he he's a guy who craves a city like New York and the and the lights of New York. And I'm I'm obviously <laughs> over the moon about this deal and I'm and I'm super optimistic that he's going to be just what the doctor ordered. He's going to mash. He's going to be a monster for this team. As far as a concern level, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest for where you're going to be a year from now when Juan Soto becomes a free agent. And listen, you saw what Shohei Otani got. Now, Otani's a different yeah. animal, the marketing the novelty right. of it. I I don't think Soto's going to get $700 million, but for somebody to go and get $700 million, Juan Soto, Peter Alonso, any free agents, probably looking at jobs, mm -hmm. saying more, more, more. Sure. What is the concern about Soto long-term being a Yankee? One, not concerned. Ten, the most concerned. Where do you think you'll be a year from now? Well, I, I hate to be optimistic like this because it'll come back to bite I just said, this is very unlike you. Very unlike you. Well, I just don't see the Yankees giving up. You know, they they love these prospects and they hug these prospects. They gave up Michael King, who was a good contributor and has a high upside. They gave up Drew Thorpe, who's their number five overall prospect. So I think when you give up those level of players, you have a high co level of confidence that you are going to make a big effort to re-sign him. Now, you get nervous because he's represented by Scott Boris, I believe. So Scott Boris is not going to give you a hometown discount, even if he loves New York and he's happy there and he thrives. So you're going to pay top dollar. He's already turned down $450 million. So that makes you nervous because he's looking for a big payday. And 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 hopefully, hope the best of all worlds is that he has a fantastic season. He loves it there. He sees what it's like to win in New York. And, uh, you know, he doesn't go crazy. It's probably higher than 450 but he doesn't go crazy and think he's getting, you know, Otani money. You know, the Yankees are talking a big game right now, the front office of, you know, we want to be the mecca of baseball and we want to attract people. Let's hope they back that up. I mean, they, I think that they were hopefully, you know, you like to think that they're reading the comments on Twitter or the blowback in the media and see the level of hate, basically literally hate that the fans have for the front office. So maybe that, that's been a wake up call of 82 and 80 and 15 years away from a World Series is not cutting it anymore. And we have to act like the New York Yankees and they they give him a big number and he's happy and he's happy there for the next 10 years with with Judge and Cole. You know, you got the you got these big three now. It's it's a window here. Let's let's make the most of it. And I think 
you know, having given up what they gave up, I think they're going to make a they're going to make a decent offer to him, and they're not going to let him just be a one year rental. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like you want to maximize this window with arguably a top three player in the sport and Judge, the best yep. pitcher in baseball, and Cole. They haven't yep. gotten to a World Series with those two guys being a part of it. And I know Stanton's contract's on the books. It stinks. One Mayu's contract is on the books. It's not particularly good. But right. we're talking about a guy who's 25 years old. Normally, you look at these like 12 or 13-year contracts and you're like fringing. You're like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is going to end so poorly. When you're signing somebody right. who's 25, you give them 12 years. How are you going to fault them? How are you going to complain about that? Like, I think they got to realize, hey, we can't be patient. This is the time to win with Judge, with Cole. These guys at their best now. We got to go for it now. Right. Absolutely. Now, the thing is, you know, hopefully tomorrow they're going to spend some money on Yamamoto. So he's looking at probably $300 million, too. And so you're looking at a big contract for Cole, a big contract for Judge, and a big contract for Yamamoto, hopefully, and then a big contract for Soto. That you're, you know, you're talking a lot of money. But again, you're the New York Yankees. Money should never be an issue. And when a team, you know, 3,000 miles away is spending $700 million on one guy, if that's the new, you know, new market in the sport, they shouldn't be afraid. You know, again, it's not my money. They shouldn't be afraid to, to give Juan Soto 500 for 10 or 550 for 10, whatever, whatever it's going to take, because apparently that's the, uh, that's the world we're living in now. And, you know, keep the attendance up and the, $20 beers and the $15 hot dogs. And, uh, you know, we'll have an astronomical payroll. But if, it, if the results are on the field, you know, nobody's going to complain about that. Well, that's the bottom line. The results haven't been the same over the last 14 right. years. They haven't been going to the World Series. So maybe the approach does, to your point, have to change. Are you very confident that they end up with Yamamoto? I think they're going to be outbid by the Mets. I, I think Cohen... And Stearns, the fact that they already went to Japan, they're trying to wine him and dine him. I, I think if money is his number one priority, he's oh, going yeah. to the Mets. But, you know, you get Tanaka in a room, you get Matsui in a room, you know, the allure, the tradition, Jacko of the Yankee pinstripes. I feel like that's the best hope in landing this guy who can be the 1A maybe to Garrett Cole. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know a lot about him. You know, you figure normally free agents, they're always going to go where the top dollar is because that's what the union demands. But he, you know, he may not feel those pressures coming in from the outside. Um, you know, allegedly things I've read about him and who knows, but you read about it that he wants the big stage too, like Soto does. He wants to win. The, the Yankees have a more compelling case for winning now than the Mets do. Now the Mets, you know, have unlimited, Steve Cohen has unlimited resources he could possibly outbid them, but outbid the Yankees. Not possibly. He can certainly outbid the Yankees. You hope that the Yankees make a competitive offer and that, you know, when he balances everything and says, well, I'm going to make a fortune and I could make more with the Mets, but I'm not going to win with the Mets, given especially the state of the National League with the Braves and the Dodgers and the Yankees are in a much more wide open American League, the, you know, Astros and the Rangers notwithstanding. Um you know, if that's a factor and he wants to win and, you know, you bring in Matsui into the room, who I think it was Matsui, it was his childhood idol. And you have Tanaka saying it's a great place to play. It's a great group of guys, you know, for the ones that he's played with. The Yankees are great. You know, the tradition, the history for whatever that matters. I hope that that holds that sways the day. But again, you never know what happens with these free agent things. And he may just want to go for the money. And, you know, the, and the Dodgers are allegedly still in the mix for him too, which is crazy that they're going to spend a billion dollars potentially on two, two guys. But, you know, they got that Magic Johnson money, I guess, and whatever else they make in LA and they, they got the money for it. So, you know, that, that could be a factor too. But, you know, maybe he wants to be the guy and not be an Otani shadow for the Dodgers and wants to be the guy with the Yankees. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what he, what is, what's in his head. So we'll see what happens. But, um, um, you know, I think they're going to go make a pitch to him. And Cashman was over in Japan watching him. And, you know, Hal appears to be willing to open the checkbook. You know, this is what they did after they didn't make the playoffs in 2008. They went out and spent money on, you know, CC and AJ Burnett and McCann in 2009 and, and, uh, Teixeira and, you know, went back to the world series. So, uh, you know, last year was a dismal year and maybe this, you know, they've woken up and said, we're going to, we're going to do what it takes to not have many more dismal years for a while. Well, so. we've seen it go both ways, right? 2008, 2009, it worked perfectly. They signed to your yep. point, Sabathia Burnett. They surprised everybody and got to share from the Red Sox. 
everything clicked. They won the World Series. They tried it again in 14. Tanaka was a part of it. Beltran was yeah. a part of it. They panicked after they lost Cano and gave Ellsbury a gazillion dollars. They brought in Brian McCann. Mm. That time it didn't work as well because the rest of the team was not as good. I kind of feel right. like they're somewhere in the middle with this group because they have the top flight talent. They're not nearly as like bare as they were in like 2013 or 2014, but right. they got to answer a lot. Like as giddy as you are about Judge and Soto and what it should mean for the rest of the lineup, they need answers. Like Rodon's got to be a positive. Volpe's got to be. be a positive. Either Stanton or Lemayu has got to be a positive. Like, I guess the positive, no pun intended, Jacko, is that they had so many things go against them last year. You got to figure a couple of them are going to hit home, right? This year, they have to. They have to. And the two the two key guys are two guys you mentioned. Radon has to be the guy, like whether they get Yamamoto or not, because if they get Yamamoto and he's, you know, apparently a ace potential, so you have Cole and you have him, you need Radon to be that third guy. And maybe there's less pressure on him and he's gotten his feet wet in New York and he comes in healthy and he's not, you know, I think last year was, let's hopefully chalk it up to the fact that he was injured in spring training and he never quite got over that and, you know, never. And then he was maybe pressing too much. Let's hope he has a clean slate and a clean spring training this time and he could be a, he could be a capable number three. You hope Nestor bounces back. But the other guy, the guy that the key is the key to this whole thing, as he has been for several years now, is Stanton. Because that lineup was so pathetic last year that obviously getting Soto is a, is a huge deal. But they have to get something out of Stanton. They just have to. I, I have a friend of mine who's a Red Sox fan, not Simmons, but another friend of mine. And he sent me a meme the other day, and it was a box score. And it said 2024 Yankees. And it says, LeMahieu grounds out, uh, Judge walks, Soto walks, and Rizzo hits into a double play. And I'm like, that's, and I was like, fuck you one but two like that's a legit possibility like somebody else in the lineup is going to have to produce because yeah J soto it provides protection for judge or vice versa but after that someone else has to has to provide some protection for those two right because if you you know as as much as you hope those guys are going to mash if you pitch around them there's got to be some other threats in the lineup be it rizzo or be, hopefully stanton and, you know, that you got to have some other guys because they were so inept, so anemic offensively last year that th there's nowhere to go but up. Let's hope let's hope they got all the badness out of our system last year. And, and this year is oh, there's nowhere to go but up, you know, uh, confession. I love this Verdugo move. Now, I would have hated it if Verdugo was the only guy that they got. I felt like he always killed the Yankees. Yeah. I feel like he's a guy that will hit for more power being at Yankee Stadium. He's got like that asshole vibe to him, which yeah. I didn't like <laughs> when he was a Red Sox. And now I feel like right. I'm going to like again, attitude, swagger. Yankees need more of it. And, and Jacko, yeah. we've seen it. Like Johnny Damon won me over. Roger Clemens won me over. Wade Boggs won me over. Yeah. Like I, if you play well, I don't care if you're a Red Sox. If anything, I like it because all of the Red Sox people I know, Simmons, Barrett, they're like, this guy stinks. He's no good. Right. He's a cast off. Right. Now I hope he goes and he rams it up the Red Sox rear end. I really do. And the other thing is, you know, he doesn't have to be the guy, obviously. And, and you know, yeah, as a throw, like if he was the only move they made, I'd be like, you know, in the fetal position crying. But as a as a throw in with Soto there, you know, the, the beauty is that they they went from having no outfielders except for Judge, essentially, and, and Dominguez arguably Bader, but la you know, when you're running Jake Bauer and Billy McKinney out there and IKF as a left fielder. So now to have actual competent outfielders, you know, like Verdugo, um, you know, the one thing that we're, well, there are a couple things worry about me for, with Verdugo, you know, his, his attitude and swagger, you know, I'm not a, the biggest Nick Swisher fan and he, he may have a little Nick Swisher in him. Uh, I, I, I'll buy into what you're saying that he is an asshole when he's on another team, but now he's our asshole. So we love him. You know, that's a, that's a strong possibility. I think there is some swagger potential with him. And the other thing is, you know, everybody was raving about his doubles. And I don't frankly know enough to know, like, were those products of the green monster that he's not going to face, you know, 81 times a year at Yankee Stadium? Or are those going to be flyouts that were doubles off the green monster? I don't know. But, you know, again, as a guy that's going to hit probably like sixth or seventh in the lineup and is a competent outfielder, I, I think he's a fine piece. And they get, you know, they gave up nothing to get him. And he's not, I don't think he makes any significant money. So, you know, there's really no downside to this. You know, there's there's really no, it's not going to come back and like blow up in a bad way. So I think it's fine for what it is.
So we're over the moon with Soto. I think we're mm-hmm. both hopeful and we're keeping our fingers crossed with Yamamoto. If they don't get Yamamoto, they're going to have to get a pitcher. But would you say, Jacko, and I go back to last year when they re-signed Aaron Judge, they made the move for Rodon, and Hal Steinberger said, we're not done. They were done. Mm-hmm. They didn't get a left fielder. Yeah. They failed miserably, and the team was just incomplete. Is this offseason, in your eyes, a success no matter what happens here with Yamamoto? Or do you need a pitcher added into the equation to say, hey, they did what they needed to do this winter? Well, I would like a p- another pitcher. I-, I think they could use another pitcher, but I, I will be happy with with just Soto because Soto is such a big move. You know, the guy's one of the 10 best players in baseball and you put him with Judge and Cole. I, I think he's going to have an enormous impact just given his stats and, and everything about him that I've read. I-, I think that in itself, to do that, to do the right thing. And, and, you know, I know the front office loves these prospects and they love to prospect hug. You know, they loved King. So to do that and pull the trigger, I think, was a serious move. And it showed how the remorse, let's say, they feel for last year and the last couple of years and the and the approach they took. So I, I would say, while I am hopeful that they add another starter, whether it be Yamamoto or through some other means, uh, I think that would be helpful. I think getting Soto was, was a huge move, and I would consider that a success already. So you're back. I wouldn't say that if it was just Verdugo. I understand that. Soto. We would not be having this conversation if it was just Verdugo. We'd be pulling our hair and, out and, you know, if it was just Verdugo. The other guy they got from the Padres is Grisham. That everybody says is a wonderful defensive outfielder. So he's a you know guy. You, you know what, the one the other thing that makes me nervous is Judge being an everyday center fielder because the injury potential. I think playing center field and the wear and tear is more so than in right field. But you know, I guess there's some possibilities to where Grisham can spell him late in games, and he could be, you know because he's a good defensive player. So he could, you know, maybe if you're hopefully you're up a lot and you can give Judge some, you know, semi days off and have a defensive replacement. And, you know, I guess you can do stuff with, the, you know, DH and what have you, because, you know, unfortunately, Stanton, to quote Brian Cashman, will have his inevitable injury. So, uh, you know, there'll be opportunities, I think, to DH those guys. But it's good to have actual competent outfielders who've actually played the position, you know, some period of time since Little League. So that's that's good to see. That's a refreshing change for next year. Long overdue. Uh, buddy, it's always fun catching up. I, I guess the, the final thought would be 2024 Yankees back, correct? At the very least, they are back on the positive Jacko radar no matter what happens here because of Soto. We are back. We're ready to go opening day. I've, I've seen a lot of this meme on Twitter directed towards me, and it is correct, of Al Pacino in The Godfather Part 3. You know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Well... <laughs> Soto has pulled me back in and I'm a sucker. This is always the time of year when we start, you know, after we get past Christmas, we start thinking about spring training and, and they've suckered me in and I'm ready to have my heart broken again, as Michael Scott said. So I'm, I'm ready for that too. So all, all the memes, Al Pacino and, uh, and Michael Scott, all the memes I'm back in. So I'm here for it, buddy. Always fun all seeing right. you. Merry Christmas. Good times. Happy holidays to you, to you and your family. Same and you. Uh, rumor has it, we, we might be getting acquainted uh, the second weekend in January out in California. Just a little out rumor that's California. out there, according to Mr. Simmons. It's possible. My arrival there will be like, just like Otani's. So stand by at LAX for that. I'll be start, uh, so. asking Simmons for the like the monitor of the, the Jacko tracker. <laughs> we got right. to look for that. There you, go. there you go. Yeah. Just ask John Morosi, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Boy. Wouldn't want to be uh, him. And I like John. I would not no, want to be John this weekend. I know. Oh, boy. Tough one. Yeah. It's a big fat L. All right. Jacko, <laughs> see you, pal. See you. Bye-bye. Good stuff there from Jacko. All right, let's hit some trivia with Larry. All right, before we do trivia, a lot of stuff to get to around the NFL. Uh, a lot, a lot of stuff to get to around the NFL. Mods to win for the Bills. The Bills needed that game in the absolute worst way against the Chiefs. I thought with their clock management with two minutes to go, they didn't basically make the Chiefs use any timeouts. Mahomes gets it down three. I'm like, it is a given the Chiefs are going to kick a field goal or either win this game. Pony being offside by a freaking inch. It was the right call by the officials. I don't want to hear the Chiefs belly aching about it. Pony was clearly offside. Yes, it was a phenomenal play. An instinct by Kelsey to throw it back to Tony, which would have been a game-winning touchdown. They got it right. Buffalo makes the big stop. And Buffalo now at seven and six, I think they're set up to go and make the playoffs. 
even with this Dallas game being tough, they're going to beat the Chargers. Who knows if Herbert's playing in that game? They're going to beat the Patriots. And who knows what Miami has to play for in Week 18? I would expect we're talking about the Bills as a playoff team, and they're going to be the wild card team that nobody's going to want to play in the AFC. When you look at the wild card teams and the possibilities of who can go and make a run, there's not a wild card team that you're putting higher on that list than the Buffalo Bills. Monster, monster win for them at Arrowhead. And it looks like, for the first time in his career, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to go and win playoff games on the road. Is he capable of doing it? Yes, he's the best player in the sport. But this chief team, it doesn't have the same firepower. It just doesn't. And you've seen it late in these games. You saw it against the Lions. You saw it against the Eagles. You saw it here against Buffalo. Where they don't have that answer they can turn to as far as somebody who can go and make a play. Chiefs now have five losses. So uphill climb for them if they're going to go and get the number one seed. They basically have to win out, and they got to get a whole lot of help along the way. Other games to note. Bengals, monster win for them, 34-14 to over the Colts. We'll see about Browning and his status, but he played great. And the Bengals, again, continue to be this team that knows how to win late in the year. They got a monster Saturday game coming up with Minnesota, and they can envision, hey, why not get to 10? Why not get to the playoffs? What a rallying cry that would be, even with their quarterback being on the shelf. Browns, and this one was significant. It was for me with the line being at three. Peterson going for two late in the game. Ended up winning it because they didn't get the two-point conversion, but it was a game Lawrence played. His numbers are going to look better than they were because he had some garbage time late. He still threw three interceptions. The Browns' defense just plays way better when they're at home. And Flacco, what a story. 300 yards, three touchdowns. And I, I think moving forward, the eight and five Browns are looking at Joe Flacco as their quarterback. Game of the day, not even close. Baltimore, 37 to 31 over the Rams. This game had all sorts of twists and turns late. I hated, hated, hated the way McVay handled the clock at the end of the game. I thought they were way too passive. I thought they were way too conservative. Basically playing for a field goal. Go to overtime. They end up giving the punt return up. And they end up losing the game. Baltimore didn't wow me in this one. If there's anybody who wowed me, it was Odell Beckham Jr. with two touchdowns. And I think he's becoming Lamar Jackson's favorite new weapon with Mark Andrews out. But felt like Baltimore, once again, could have been had here in this game. And they weren't. But they'll take it. They'll roll with it. Bears, 28-13 over the Lions. The Lions defense stinks. And you're seeing it. If they don't get pressure on the quarterback, they can't cover anybody. And you'll wonder with Chicago, they're going to have the number one pick. Carolina's off. Is it going to be Caleb Williams? Or do they trade that pick for a gazillion picks with whoever? You give me the team. Maybe it's Giants. Maybe it's the, the Patriots. Maybe it's Arizona. It's whoever needs a quarterback. And they say, okay, we can win with Fields. We like Fields. We're going to load up now and build a team around them. I don't know how you pass up Caleb Williams, but I do think that conversation is going to be had in Chicago, especially with the Bears playing much better. Much better ball. Saints 28-6 over Carolina. Carolina's the worst team in the league. Case closed. This game was disgusting. Another game that was disgusting. The Vikings winning 3 to nothing in a dome in regulation against the Raiders. I mean, you can't make that up. 3 to nothing. They're going to win the game. Insane. Uh, Niners, 28-16 over the Seahawks. Seahawks hung in for a half. Just too much Debo Samuel, too much George Kittle. And again, when everybody's playing their best, there's no team in the sport that's at a higher and a better level than the San Francisco 49ers. Saw that again on Sunday. Seattle, I do not think is going to find their way into the playoffs. The schedule is just way too tough. And then finally, Denver. And I was all over this one. I couldn't believe this line was three. I couldn't believe there was late, sharp action on the Chargers. You know, the great Alex Plavin, one of my good buddies, he had in the surface telling me he had the Chargers. And listen, he's he knows his stuff. Him picking the Chargers this week. I'm like, what? The Chargers? Have you seen the Chargers this year? Laying points? Ugh, gross. Denver does just enough. Wilson, Sutton has had a great year. And Herbert goes down in the game. I mean, Herbert's been... I don't need to hear from the nerds telling me how great Herbert is. I mean, the guy scored six points last week in New England. He gets knocked out of this game. He threw a pick. Herbert's good. He is a good quarterback. This idea that he is like the chosen one and the anointed one, it's so overblown. It's so overhyped. 
the nerds are going to get out of me for this because they all love him. Oh, he's, 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 he's mobile. He's big arm. He's a central casting quarterback, except he doesn't win. Okay? Jeff George was at a central casting too. He wants shit. Right now, that's been the narrative and the storyline for Justin Herbert. A monster win for the Broncos. And Brandon Staley handed his walking papers. That's a guarantee at the end of the season. All right. That's our run-through of week 14 in the NFL. Obviously, we're taping this before the Cowboys and the Eagles game. We'll see what happens there. Uh, trivia time. Larry, I am ready for you. Let's rock. Take it easy on me, would you? JJ, Larry, two questions. Question one, of all the teams currently in playoff position, which quarterback of those 14 teams has been sacked the most. Question two. Who is the only team in the league that hasn't given up 30 points yet? All right. The quarterback that has been sacked the most out of the teams in playoff positioning. I'm going to say it's Baker Mayfield with the Buccaneers. All right, it's not Baker Mayfield in the Buccaneers. Okay. Playoff positioning. Now, I wonder if this changed. I don't know if Larry has the up-to-the-minute, up-to-date um, instance here. All right, my next choice would be playoff positioning, most sacks. Jordan Love, Packers. Not good. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, I'm taking one more guess here, and then I need a hint. Uh, Gardner Minshew with the Colts. AFC, NFC, Stefan. NFC, JJ, NFC. Most sacks. Jared Goff. Who am I missing here? Is it Dak Prescott? I I give up. Who is it? Jalen Hurts. I never in a million years would have guessed that. You could have given me 10 zillion guesses. You just assume a running quarterback's not going to get sacked a ton. Just goes to show you how dumb I can be at times. So Jalen Hurts is sacked more than any quarterback in the playoff positioning right now. Okay. Now, the only team to not give up 30 points. The only team to not give up 30 points. Tough question. Very tough question. Is it the Kansas City Chiefs? There we go. There we go. Now, that is impressive trivia. So I, I, I'll take it. I, I'll take it, Larry. Little NFL for me here on a Sunday. Jeff Money, we got two Monday night football games. I know you're playing one. What about the other? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick to be for Monday for December 11th. Uh, we got two Monday night action. You already know the one, one of them I'm taking. I'm taking the Dolphins part of our five play. They were minus 13 over the Titans. The other game we're going to take, we're going to go with the Green Bay Packers minus the six and a half over the New York Giants. Again, two plays. I'm going to go with your Dolphins minus the 13 from our super contest plays. And I'm going to add a bonus play. I'm going to take the Packers minus the six and a half. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Bunny rolling with both favorites on Monday night. Dolphin line is so high, man. I know they've been money covering these numbers. McDaniel and Tua are like money in that building over the last two years. 13, 13 and a half points is a lot of points. That is a lot, a lot of points. That's all I'm going to say about that game. Uh, the Giant game, spread is tricky. I can't see a world in which the Green Bay Packers lose the game. I can't. I know it's down to six. I know what a low total. It's probably going to push you in a direction to go and take the underdog. Maybe that's something you want to do. The Packers are not losing this game. You tell me Tommy DeVito's winning three games in a row. After the Packers, I know it's a letdown spot after the Chiefs game. They just went to Detroit and won and just beat the Chiefs. Now they're going to lose to the Giants? Don't see it. 
So, Jeff Bunny, you got my endorsement. I don't love either game, to be honest with you. But if I had to make a pick on both, I would sell with you and I would take both favorites. I'd hold my nose, but I'd take both favorites. Uh, we'll be back with reaction to the Giants on Tuesday. We'll take a bunch of voicemails. Get them in at 917-382-1151. We'll see if there's an update with Yamamoto. And we'll set the stage. Holiday season. Jets Dolphins next week. I got basically a crazy, listen to this week stretch. I leave for Miami Monday. Dolphins Titans with the Great Eagle Apex. Then I am back Wednesday morning. Back Wednesday for East Coast Bias and my TV stuff. Thursday, we got our pod into my holiday party over at SNY. And I'm back to Miami Friday morning. In reality, I probably should have stayed the week, but, you know, want to get back. Got a lot of credit card points. So, uh, basically, my uh, week is a traveling circus. Sounds about right. Good job, by Stefan. Uh, I will talk to you guys Tuesday uh, from South Florida. Until then, JJ out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 100-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call one 800 327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.